I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my workbook series, The Knowledge, will help you make changes like you've never made before. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about what drew your ex to you. Okay. This is really important, okay? Because if you think about it, your ex was originally attracted to you and started dating you and chose a relationship with you over other people right. for a reason. Right. There were things about you that they really liked, that they wanted to be around you more and get into a commitment with you. Right. So we're going to look at that today. And Margaret's got some great research and how you can kind of explore how that may have happened exactly. and why it's also important if you want to reattract your ex. That's right. Now this is more from Dr. Gottman mm -hmm. and we're going to find out the rest of the story about Dr. Rory. Dr. Rory was in the previous video right. that we talked right. about. He didn't know where the back door was and didn't know the dog's name. Mm -hmm. okay. And that was the one where we talked about the love maps. That's right. That mm -hmm. was love maps. Yep. All right. So let's go back to Dr. Rory, the husband whose love map was the size of a postage stamp and who couldn't even remember the name of the family dog. Because remember, we said the love map was the amount of cognitive room you leave in your head. Mm -hmm. His was the size of a postage stamp, yes. For years, his wife Lisa put up with his workaholism. But a turning point in their relationship occurred one year on Christmas Day, when Rory was, of course, working. Jeez. Lisa decided to pack a Christmas picnic and with the kids in tow, surprise her husband at the hospital. Okay. Okay. As they ate in the waiting room, to Lisa, his face looked like an angry mask. He told her he resented being surprised with a picnic. On Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, when none of the family had seen him. Wow. Why did you do this, he said. He said, it really is embarrassing. Wow. Just then, a resident called, and Rory answered his phone. His face softened, and his voice became helpful, warm, and friendly. Now, obviously, he was working with or supervising this resident. Mm -hmm. Something snapped inside Lisa. Clearly, her husband was capable of kindness, just not toward her. She picked up the picnic and took the kids and went home. Oh, yes. Good girl, Lisa. Mm -hmm. um, soon after, she began going out at night without Rory. Not long after that, he asked for a divorce. He asked for a divorce? He asked for a divorce. Okay. Do doesn't that kill you? Yeah. He asked for a divorce because she was going out evenings without him. In a last-ditch effort to save the marriage, they decided to try marital counseling. Okay. At first, they got nowhere. When Lisa tried to be conciliatory toward Rory during the first session with the marital therapist, mm -hmm. he was unable to respond in kind 
to her repair attempts. And remember, we mentioned early on that trying to repair things is important, but if the partner can't respond, it spells trouble. Yeah. Okay? So she was making a bid to try and repair it, yeah. and he wasn't re having any of it. The therapist knew what to do. When they were asked, however, about their early years, Rory's face lit up. He recalled the first date, saying he knew his future wife was nervous. Probably, he thought, because of some cultural things that she was trying to live with. And because of this, he said he knew it was going to take a long time, so he wasn't nervous at all. He figured this was stage one of a five-year marathon. Mm -hmm. Lisa responded with, what do you mean? You had a five-year plan on our first date? She said, I'm sure she was blown away. Yeah. Um, Rory responded that he knew it would take more than one lunch. Lisa replied with, wow. During the interchange, they actually held hands. Their fond memories of the early days were evidence that underneath the antagonism, there was still glimmerings of what I call fondness and admiration. Mm -hmm. Okay. This means that they each retained some fundamental sense that the other was worthy of being respected and even liked. And ultimately, the marriage was saved. Wow. Right? Because they looked at the past and what they found that they really liked about each other and appreciated yeah. each other. And so that's important to think about for it you is. if you're trying to reattract somebody because, you know, they liked something about you. What were those qualities? Yeah, what what those did you things? do so yeah. different? Yeah. Now, you can't try and, you know, reach out to your ex and, you know, do like a good reminder text of something like that. I don't think that works. No. It has to be that they have, you know, contacted you and they are willing and wanting to see you again. Right? Because right? I hear other coaches... Push the good reminder oh, text. Oh, yeah, send them a reminder te yeah, text of a great time you had one time. Remember oh, the time yeah. we went to the beach? Yeah. You, you should forgot the... my sunburn. If if it was successful, you would hear me tell you to do it. Right. But as you no. can see by the look on my face. No. But going back to when people met is magic. Mm -hmm. I've seen it as well. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Um, so the best test of whether a couple still have what Gottman calls a functioning fondness and admiration system mm -hmm. is usually how they view their past. Mm -hmm. And if you remember back the first time we talked about Gottman, I presented some stuff on Gottman, he had a couple who didn't even remember the wedding rehearsal dinner as being fun. And one partner was accusing the other of spending too much time with one of the people in the wedding party. Mm -hmm. So that when you don't have any good memories, that's bad news. But when you do, there's hope. Yep. But again, I really want to stress, I don't want you to reach out with your ex and no. see if this is going to work. Because they're going to be cold. Yeah. You're going to be trying to force yourself on yeah, it. This would be something that you would be looking at if you were trying to repair things. Put it in that your they toolbox. To, yeah. Put it in your toolbox. That they are trying to repair things with you. Not if you're reaching out to try and force this i got to stress that, Mark. Okay, good. In some long-term relationships, however, the antagonism has blocked out the positive memories. Yep. 
When this happens, marriages often cannot be resuscitated. Mm -hmm. Fondness and admiration are antidotes for contempt. That's one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. If you remember why you liked this person. If you maintain a sense of respect for your spouse or your partner, you are less likely to act disgusted with him or her when you disagree. Fondness and admiration prevent you from being trounced by this particular one of the four horsemen. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. All right. How to work on it. The key to reinvigorating the fondness and admiration is to get in the habit of scanning for qualities and actions that you can appreciate. And then let your partner know what you have observed and are grateful for. Mm -hmm. These everyday thank yous don't have to be about momentous acts on your partner's part. Mm -hmm. Search for small everyday moments. Catch your partner doing some little things right and then offer a genuine appreciation like, I love the way you handled my sister mm -hmm. yesterday, making her feel so welcome. Thank you for vac vacuuming the living room the other day. Yep. Thank you for vacuuming the living room the other day. You're welcome, Margaret. Yes. There is a fondness and admiration questionnaire with Gottman's favorite 20 questions. I will present you with four of them. I can easily list the three things I most admire about my partner. Mm -hmm. Okay. I feel loved and cared for in this relationship. Okay. Okay, Rory wouldn't let her take care of him. Yep. I can easily tell you why I married my partner. Okay, or made a commitment to my partner. Mm -hmm. When I come into a room, my partner is glad to see me. Okay? What a little thing that sounds like, but what a difference it could make. Mm -hmm. If they don't look up from their phone, you know, it's just not the same as saying, hi. Here are also some exercises that you can do that start with, I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Thanks for making dinner. Thanks for doing the laundry. I enjoyed the conversation we had at dinner. Thank you for making me feel like I come first in your life. Okay? Thank you for laughing. It always makes me feel better. Yep. All right? And again, I want to stress this one more time. Yeah? This would be something that you do in a relationship. Right. When you are in a relationship to keep a relationship healthy That's right. and alive and exciting and yep. connected and vibrant not when you're desperately just trying to get somebody back, right. back and trying to manipulate them right because it would feel manipulative if yes. you were reaching out to say these things and they were trying to say you need to respect right. what i want here but if you start to get back together these things would be extremely helpful like i say put them in your toolbox yes okay? this is for being and creating a healthy relationship right. and also for thinking about those things that your ex might have been fond of with you. What That's were right. those things that you did That's in the beginning? Right. Yes. If you get a chance to get in front of them again, start to display those characteristics that they were originally that they attracted especially to. liked. Yeah. And if you sit down and think about it, I bet you can come up with them. Yeah. Right? Sure. Very um, helpful stuff, but it's so important. Here's a big one. Thanks for telling me what you need. 
This is a big one. Um, this often comes up in a conversation about people understanding each other. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, uh, you know, I think one of the things is that people get to a point where they just give up that their needs aren't going to get met. Right. And then they just feel so hopeless and it's been going on for so long that they like, what's the point of doing this any longer? Right. You know? And if you never had your needs met, why would it even occur to you to tell somebody what you need? You know? That's a big point. It's a yeah. big point, right? Um, or, you know, if as a kid you felt like you had to meet your parents' needs, there's all kinds of stuff around this point. But at any point in a relationship, when anything is going on, you can say, what do you need from me right now? What can I do to help? Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Okay, thanks for giving me some time for myself. Mm -hmm. Now, who's that hard for? That's hard for an anxious partner, right? To, to give time for themselves. To give yeah. time for myself. Um, but the avoidant will absolutely love you for it. Okay, thank yeah. you for giving me some time for myself. Yep. Thanks for sticking up for me when I was criticized. Okay? Yep. When you were out with friends or dinner, having dinner with somebody's family. Mm -hmm. Thank you for making coffee for me. Mm -hmm. Those are little things that people do, but it counts to mention them. Yeah. But the tell me what you need one is huge. Okay? You're not meeting my needs. Of course, I've never told you what they are. But if you were any kind of a man, you would have read my mind. Drives me nuts when people say, you should know. Yeah, you should know. No, you shouldn't know. Um, we need to use words and we need to tell people. I said to somebody the other day, but that's what separates us from chimpanzees. Yeah. They can't tell each other what they need, yep. you know, and we can. Um, and if somebody's with you and has made any kind of a commitment, short term or long term, they want to give you what you need, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really sporting to give them a shot at it. Okay? And the overall advice from this whole exercise is learning to cherish your partner. Okay? And to do that, you think positive thoughts about your partner when you are not together. Yeah. The way Gottman puts it is learning to cherish your partner. Mm -hmm. And to do that, how to practice that, you think positive thoughts about your partner mm -hmm. when you are not together. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right. So useful stuff for our toolbox. And you have to think positive thoughts about your partner when you are together too. Yes, you oh absolutely. When you are that's the main that's the main thing. I think um, a lot of people just they when they spend a lot of time with their partner they take them for granted. I think they do. Yeah. And that people leads to say a lot that of people say that a lot. In other words, it's okay if I from, come home from work and just look at my cell phone. Yeah. Or I'm on, my, on the phone with my friends all evening. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be attentive to your relationship, to your partner, to know what's going on with them, to realize what you care about them, what you like about them, and hopefully that they reciprocate and know what they like about you as well. Right. Good stuff. Give okay. Margaret a thumbs up for the research on this one. Of course. When you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. Margaret, of course, is available for Skype coaching. If you feel that I can be helpful to you, please sign up with me. Just click on Margaret on the top of the website to do that. That's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret, and I have to say one more thing. If Rory and his wife made it, there's always hope. There you go. And we will talk with you soon.